0: Gracious God, thank you so much that we can gather together uh, in your name as your people. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would rest upon me to bring your word to your people and help all of us learn how to live uh, uh, more fruitfully, even in the midst of troubled times. Uh, We love you, and we honor you, and we worship you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, In Isaiah 30. Uh, we'll just read verse 15. Uh, love this verse. Uh, in returning, for thus sa- said the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength, but you were unwilling. Hopefully the, the last few verses, don't a few words don't apply to us, but uh, the great, great verse. And then to... In Jeremiah chapter 6, we'll do just verse 16 and 17. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. I set watchmen over you, saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. Again, I hope that doesn't apply to you, uh, the last few parts of that. And then finally, uh, probably a lot of people's favorite verses here. We're going to pick up in Matthew with verse 25 of chapter 11. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. is light. And God bless to us these readings from his holy word. Well, we had an interesting time here yesterday at City Temple. I can't share a lot of the details, a bit of a confidential meeting, but uh, there were about 700 people uh, that were in, um, uh, 700 people who had lost significant amounts of money uh, in some investments, uh, and they were having to hear reports from uh from trustees about all the things that were going on and about uh, how much of their money they might be able to regain. But for many people, uh, some people lost their entire life savings, uh, and it was a really, really tragic kind of meeting in uh, a tragic situation. And, and there were a couple of things that were really striking to me uh, in the course of that meeting. Uh, one was, uh, and this is going to be the subject, I think, of a, another uh, preach at some point in time. One is, I felt like I was witnessing the death of capitalism, at least capitalism as we've known it, or capitalism in the best sense of that word. Uh, I'm not a very—I'm uh, not a guy who focuses a lot on isms, uh, but I probably am more of a capitalist than, say, a socialist or a communist uh, overall. But uh, certainly, the kinds of things I was seeing—it just really made me feel like uh, capitalism is dying and that people's hearts are shifting so that they are more, becoming more and more willing to follow a government that has a very strong central leader and more and more willing uh, to give up more stuff just to have security in terms of their finances and things. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. The other striking thing was uh, how much anxiety was present uh, in the room and in the building. Uh, I was here, I was supposed to be at another meeting, I canceled the meeting so I could be here, or canceled going to this other meeting so I could be here, and and I felt like it was strategic because I came in with authority to pray and prayed throughout the meeting, and for most of it, it held together quite well right until the end, and and then it started to disintegrate a bit, Uh, but overall, anxiety was not able to capture us as a staff. Uh, We stayed pretty calm and cool and collected. Uh, and, uh, but it was a very powerful force. I mean, there were times Karen and I were sitting up in front and we could just feel spiritually the weight of anxiety and the intensity of the anxiety flowing uh, in the room at that time. Uh, and it just made me think about the troubled times that uh, in some respects we're going through now, but uh, as I've been saying throughout this series, we're going to enter into a deeper time of t- troubled times, uh, more tough times. Uh, it's going to be tougher than what the times have been here recently. And that's coming. And we've been talking about how do we survive through this? Because frankly, a lot of people, when they're traveling through tough times, they really don't they don't survive. Uh, they don't know how to do it. And I'm talking about Christians. I mean, forget about people in the world because uh, people in the world have little hope really to travel through tough times. Uh, It's more an issue of luck, I think, a lot of times. But as Christians, I am convinced that we can travel through tough times in part because I've traveled through a lot of tough times myself, that we can travel through tough times and learn not only how to get through them, but also how to flourish in them and be fruitful in those tough times. And, and, uh, And that's what this whole series has been about. So if you haven't heard the whole series, it's all available online. Uh, so you can listen through the whole thing. And we've got a few more weeks yet to go uh, in this series, but it's going to be important. This is something you might want to refer back to at some point in time in the future, especially when you feel like, oh, I'm going through tough times. I better go back and maybe listen to some of those sermons uh, to hear some of this teaching. And, uh, And I think I'm convinced that we can travel through tough times, that we can flourish in the midst of those tough times. Now, we've said all along that in order to do that, the fundamental prerequisites are that we keep our focus on Jesus and that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're not focused on Jesus and not filled with the Holy Spirit, then you will not get through tough times. Because what we all tend to do, and I've seen so many Christians do this, we start going through a difficult time. We set our course and we start going through a difficult time and then we get distracted and we start to wander off course And I've seen Christians actually wander for decades in tough times when actually if they would have focused on that and just moved through it, they could have gotten out on the other side. And if you want a biblical example of that, you just look at the people in Israel, the Israelites as they wandered in the wilderness. They could have gone right into the promised land, but they failed to do so uh, because they were looking at the toughness of the times they might encounter, not the greatness of God. So that's why we have to keep that focus on Jesus. And Jesus is emphasizing that here in this text from Matthew. He says he's got everything from the Father, and nobody can know the Father except those who come to him as the Son. So he's encouraging people to keep their minds, their eyes, focused and fixed on him. And as we travel through tough times, another thing that we need to learn to do is we need to learn how to rest in the Lord. How to rest in the Lord. This is a key for us to survive tough times. If you don't know how to rest, even in the midst of tough times, the tough times will consume you. And again, I've seen this happen times again, uh, many times before. Uh, Now, what... Oftentimes, when we talk about rest, I think we misunderstand what the Bible is talking about and certainly what we need to do. We're not talking here about sleeping, although that's resting. Uh, we're not talking about just sleeping extra long. So I'm going to rest in the Lord on Saturday, and instead of getting up at six, I'm going to get up at 10. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, we're also not talking about passivity. Some people come to the idea that resting means, ah, uh, And I do nothing until God does something, and I just be passive about my life. Uh, That is not the case. Uh, If you're resting in the Lord, that doesn't mean you don't take care of your finances. If you're waiting on the Lord to do something in your finances, you need to be ready for the Lord to do it, and that means you need to get your finances in order. If you're resting on the Lord, waiting for something to happen in your life, maybe with a job or something like that, then you need to get your CV together. Uh, If you're resting on the Lord to take you to the nations as a prophet, then you need to get your passport. And I know a lot of Americans, they think, I'm going to be a prophet to the nations, but they don't have a passport. How's that going to work? So it's not passivity here. Rest is also not leisure. Resting in the Lord does not mean that you go binge on The Sopranos on HBO or something on Netflix or something like that. That's not resting in the Lord. That's not what that's about. Uh, Resting in the Lord is also not just a sense of relaxation. So I'm out on the lounger. I'm outside catching the rays, building up my vitamin D. I almost said vitamin C. You can do the vitamin C if you're having out catching the rays with your glass of orange juice in one hand and and getting the vitamin D uh, all over the skin. You know, it's not that kind of relaxation. These things are not resting in the Lord. They're uh, passivity is bad for you, having leisure and being able to relax and sleeping. Those things are good for you, but that's not rest in the Lord. According to the scriptures that we read today, and I'm not going to go through exegetically each one because we don't have time, but if we look at the scriptures that we had today, they give us some clues about what it means to rest in the Lord. Notice how, uh, how Jeremiah told us to listen. We need to listen. Resting in the Lord means listening for God's voice. Waiting to hear Him. And knowing that if you do hear Him, you've got to do something about it. Uh, Resting involves Jeremiah looking. He said, stand at the crossroads and look to see which way to go. You need to look for what God is doing. Look for how God is moving. Look for God's activities. Look at, at your surroundings. Look for the right way to go. Look for those ancient paths. And resting in the Lord means, in light of that as well, not always looking for the new thing. I know a lot of people that just hop, a lot of Christians that just hop from conference to conference and experience to experience, but they never go deeper in the Lord. If you want to really rest in the Lord, it's not the great new things to do, it's doing following the ancient paths. If I want to rest in my marriage, for example, it's not about us going every weekend to a different European city. That would exhaust us in our marriage. Uh, but if I'm resting in our marriage, it means I look at the things that we have built up over the last 34 years that bless us together, and we do those things. And that's what Jeremiah is talking about, looking for those ancient paths. Then if we're resting in the Lord, it means we pay attention to, We allow God to capture our attention, which is really difficult today because everybody wants our attention. All the advertisers want our attention. Uh, uh, Everybody wants to grab our attention. And we need to make sure that we pay our attention to God first and foremost and really pay attention to the things that are important to God. Resting also involves trusting. In quietness and trust, you will find strength. Isaiah says. It's learning that you won't know all the answers. You can't figure it out. The why questions are the most frustrating questions because almost never will God answer a why question beforehand. If God answers a why question, like, God, why did this happen to me? Uh, Why did I go through this situation? Uh, God almost never answers it beforehand. If he does answer it, it's almost always in retrospect. He almost always shows you after it's done, not before you do it. It's it's a bit like if you're going to climb a mountain, you don't get the best view until you get to the top of the mountain. But getting to the top of the mountain takes a lot of work. A lot of times that's the way that works. So you've got to trust as God's leading you up that difficult pathway up the mountain that the view's going to be good. So resting involves refusing to try to figure everything out. There have been multiple times in my life where God just won't tell me, and he's telling me don't try to figure it out. One of the most important times was before I came here. Two years before we came to London, uh, before we were called to London actually, Um, two years, the Lord said, Rod, I was asking the Lord about where we'd go after our our last church, and God said, Rod, you can't figure it out. Don't even try. And he was absolutely right. I never would have figured what God was going to do. So we got to stop trying to figure things out, and we need to make sure if we're going to rest in the Lord that we've yoked ourselves in the proper way. A lot of times, this idea of yoking is how you connect yourself with others. And a lot of times, there are people who yoke themselves to their job. All they can do is their job. And if you've yoked yourself to your job, your job will be a horrible taskmaster. Some people yoke themselves primarily to their spouse. I mean, that sounds great because we're yoked together. The two have become one flesh. But if I yoke myself to my spouse first and foremost, then I'm always subject to what my spouse is going through. I can never be a help, really, to my spouse. I'm always going to be flowing in what my spouse is doing. Sometimes we yoke ourselves to our kids. Uh, Sometimes we yoke ourselves to some activity. Uh, Sometimes we can yoke ourselves to some religious leader, thinking that, well, if I just follow this, emulate this religious leader, things are together. And Jesus says, no, if you want to rest, you need to take my yoke, Jesus says, not mine, Rod, but mine, Jesus yoke upon you we have to yoke ourselves with jesus first and foremost if we're going to rest in the lord if we're not yoked to jesus and cooperating with jesus we will always resist jesus and if you try to kick against the yoke it hurts so you got to yoke yourself rightly not kick against the yoke and so all of these dynamics are in this idea of rest But how do we practice this? I mean, how do we start to make it real in our lives? Well, first of all, it's repentance. In returning and rest, you'll find salvation. We have to repent. And repent means that you confess your sin, you renounce your sin, and you replace your sin with something that's godly. You confess it, you renounce it, and you replace it. And that's what repentance is all about. And we have to practice repentance every day. And repentance, you don't have to wait till Sunday, uh, sometime during worship when you say a, a prayer of repentance. You repent as soon as you realize you've sinned. We repent. Then we need to learn how to quiet ourselves. And that means having time out where you can bring your mind to peace and simply listen. Uh, Well, I'm not not talking about some kind of mindless meditation here. But I'm saying that you bring your mind to peace so you can fill your mind with the truth of God. We need to quiet ourselves. If we're always going, if we're always active, and I know some people are always on their phone. It's one of the reasons why I almost never use my phone while I'm walking. Because I want to quiet myself. I want to pay attention. Uh, And so we need to have time away from phones, time away from screens. If we ruin one from one activity to the next, we will never rest. We need to actively choose to trust the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm choosing to trust you right now. I'm choosing to trust you right now. We need to put ourselves in the mind of always seeking to learn. People who rest are people who learn who are listening for the Lord and they learn what the Lord says and they learn how to do things the Lord's way. And most importantly, if we're going to rest in the Lord, we have to practice obedience. We need to learn to do what the Lord tells us to do as soon as he tells us to do it. Now, for each of us, there's some things that we all are called to obey together. Uh, But frankly, for each of us, we'll have different areas of obedience. I mean... Probably, uh, aside from a, a couple of you, you'll not have God tell you to do much with regard to, say, preaching. If God tells me to preach on something, I need to preach on it. But if God tells Marlene to preach on something, it may not be God. She has to check it out. It could be God, though, Marlene, so don't, you know, don't say no right away. Talk to me about it. But uh, you, you see that. But we need to put our hearts our minds in a place of obedience. So as soon as the Lord speaks, we're willing to obey. And as we engage in these things, as we choose to quiet our hearts, quiet our minds, focus in on Jesus, listen to what he says, and flow with what he says, trust him, you'll find that your soul comes to a place of rest. Your mind, will, and emotions come to a place of rest. Your spirit comes to a place of rest. And when you rest in the Lord, you have power to, in tough times. Resting in the Lord is a place of strength and power. It is a place of victory as you're traveling through tough times. Well, Father God, I pray that you teach all of us how to rest in you. I know it's slightly different for each of us, but there are many things that are the same. And Father, I pray that uh, by your Holy Spirit, you would help us learn how to rest and choose rest real biblical rest in Jesus, especially as we go through the tough times ahead. And we honor you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.